0: The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. The last few weeks we've been looking at this, um, this theme in the Bible about Israel going through the desert and getting to the Jordan River to finally, finally cross over into the Promised Land. And we looked at this, this reality. It was, it was a great experience for Israel. They were, they were in Egypt for a long time and the desert for a long time. And they got to this Jordan River, which they finally, finally got to cross. And the Jordan River represents similar things in our lives, just like it did with Israel. Uh, in fact, if we look at the whole sequence, Egypt for Israel rep- represented a place of bondage. And we all have a place of our days that are considered BC, before Christ, right? Anybody got any BC days? Right? Those days, yeah, back then. The BC days, the before Christ days, those are the, the days of Egypt, at least biblically, that's the way it would be viewed. And those are those days. And so then the desert part is the part where God's working out a lot of stuff in this heart. He's working out things and he's kind of getting our attention and he's kind of saying, I got you out of Egypt, but now I want to get the Egypt out of you. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you can take the kid out of Hollywood, but it's hard to get the Hollywood out of the kid, right? That kind of stuff. God's working out some of that past stuff and he's taking out the, the Egypt, so to speak. And that happens through the desert. But then there's a land of promise, the land of Canaan. And ultimately, that's going to be heaven. But in reality, there are things in our life that God intends for his people, things for us to walk in, his promises and his blessings. But there are some Jordan rivers that have to be crossed before we can get there. And the Jordan River is a dividing line between the desert and God's promise. And the sad thing is some people come to that Jordan River and look at it and shake their head and end up spending the rest of their life on the wrong side of the Jordan. And some step out in faith and cross the Jordan River. They are led by God's Spirit and God's Word. They take steps of faith and they get in on some deeper realities of God's kingdom. And I believe it it related to Israel and it relates to us. And so when we talk about crossing over the Jordan, um, I want us to look at this next step they're looking at today, we're looking at today. And it's when Israel got there, what did they do with this victory that God gave them? God gave them a profound victory. They cross over the Jordan. God, they believe God at what he says. They te- take steps of faith. God says, put your feet in the water in faith, and then I'm going to stop the water. He didn't say I'm going to stop the water and walk right through the dry land. He said, No, you first get in the water in faith. Even though it's a flood stage and it might sound crazy, trust me. So they get in the river, and as they get in, the water stops flowing. And eventually, all Israel gets to cross over. And I, wanna, I want us to pick up, if you want to get ready, it's Joshua chapter 4. And we're going to pick up where we left off. And, and here's what's important about, on this journey, when God, does, when God does great things, what do we do with those experiences? Because God's probably done some great things in your life. I know he has done in mine. He did all through Israel's journey through the desert. But it seemed like they were so quick to forget, so quick to forget the great things that God did. When God does something great, when you cross over rivers, when God sees you through, when you see God move in some kind of radical way, what do you do next? What do you do next? Because what happens with some folks, some folks just kind of sigh and thank God that whole Thing is over with. You go through a trial. How many of you have been through a trial and God got you through it? And on the other side you're just going, Thank God it's over, right? Right? That's it. Thank God it's over. And we move on. I would suggest there's something a whole lot greater that can be done with that than thank God it's over. But we do that oftentimes. And some get comfortable and just soon forget all about it. Some say that was old news now, I'm moving on. I just want to forget about it. And some try to get intellectual about it. And some try to explain away what God did. How many of you, and I want to confess because I've done this, God did something great. You knew it was God who got you through whatever the issue was, the bill you couldn't pay or the thing you couldn't do. And God got you through. And a week or two later, you go, well, maybe it was because of some other reason. Like Maybe it was because of my hard work or maybe it was because how many of you have explained away before can we get some honesty in that okay anybody else yeah we start to go at the time thank god thank you but later on we start to go well maybe it was because this and we start to intellectualize what god just did and in so doing we rob god of the glory has that ever happened to you guys have you ever done that god does something great and you explain it away Uh, We had a case recently where um, this kid has cancer, stomach cancer, diagnosed with the doctors, everything. And so uh, we had a worship night here, and we sensed God saying, let's pray for different things, specifically for cancer. Well, people prayed for him in faith. He went back to his doctors, the cancer is gone. And some are like, praise God, that's great. And others, with the same news and information, and maybe some of you are thinking today, well, maybe it wasn't really cancer. Did anybody think that? Well, maybe it was misdiagnosed. You know, I mean it could have been wrong. You never know. This is exactly what I'm talking about. God doing something great and us dismantling what God did. We had a situation in church about a year ago. And in the middle of the worship service, somebody fell lifeless in the middle of our service. People started to scream. Some left the service, panicked and struck with fear, not knowing what to do. Others are outside dialing 911. And all I knew is God, right in the middle of a message, and I said, God, you're the sovereign God. You allowed this. How do people, how do God's people respond in that situation? How do you and I respond in a tragedy? Do we, do we respond only naturally or do we respond supernaturally? Well, we called nine one one. Naturally, some handled that. That we made sure that was done. But we also responded supernaturally, and we said, "Church, pray." And if you have a prayer language, pray. Just pray. And everyone started to gather around. And I, if, I, I just have to explain. I'm talking about completely gray skin, and cold, eyes rolled back, not moving, lifeless, pupils completely dilated, cold, lifeless, no breathing. Nothing. This is in church. And we were all a little bit freaked out. I mean, all of us were. I certainly was. But I'm like, God, you, what, you, you must go to do something with this. So we all gathered around and we all prayed. And then I remember specifically when we said, in the name of Jesus, breathe. <sighs> completely came back, completely got up, was walked out to the back of the service. Paramedics did come and check and seemed fine at the time. There were people who went home with that experience on Facebook and said, let me tell you what God did at church today. That's what some do with the experience. Later on, and I know what I saw, and I am telling you, God raises the dead. And if this person wasn't dead, they were near dead and the spirit was leaving the body. And I don't know, but God allowed this moment of his intervention to turn things around. You hear stories like this going the opposite way all the time. But then there were some with the same exact data in the spiritual realm, the same info, the same snapshot. Well, yeah, really what those things are, those are just those kind of odd kind of strokes, the kind of ones that you just, you know, just need to leave people alone. And, you know, those are, you, you shouldn't make a big deal of any of those things. Really? Just like that, huh? And some can dismantle the radical and glorious things that God does. I would suggest to you that God wants us to celebrate victories. God wants us to proclaim his goodness. I mean, you guys hearing this? God wants us to to proclaim his goodness and testify of his grace. And this is a big thing because Israel right now has been waiting forever to cross the Jordan what do you do with the victory? What do you do on the other side? When God gives you a testimony, do you testify? Or do you just kind of, oh, thank God that's over and move on? This is really important, church, because this is something that honors God. Um, Joshua chapter 4, let's jump in and take a look at this. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua. Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. "'Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder "'according to the number of tribes of Israel "'to serve as a sign among you. "'In the future, when your children ask, "'What do these stones mean? "'Tell them that the flow of the Jordan "'was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. "'And when it crossed the Jordan, "'the waters of the Jordan were cut off. "'The stones are to be a memorial "'to the people of Israel forever. "'So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them.' They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. And Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. So this crossing over experience was a big deal. Israel was praying for this for a long time. The previous generation missed out. Unfortunately, the previous generation did not have enough faith to believe God and take him at his word. And they died on the wrong side of the river. The next generation believed God and said, we believe it. If you say it, we're going to follow you, God. We're going to follow your presence. And they follow God across. So this is a big deal. And according to God, big deals should be remembered and big deals should be celebrated. This is the heart of God, and that's why he's telling Joshua, I don't want you guys just to move on and forget this stuff, this is a big deal. So he tells him, right where the middle of the river was, send out some men, pick up these stones, these are gonna be memorials or stones of remembrance, ways that you remember what God did in your life. And I would suggest we should all have stones of remembrance. Whether they're literal, tangible stones or they're stones, living stones, things we treasure up in our heart, things that you know, there was a time with definition and distinction where God showed up in his power, in his providence, with his protection, with his presence in some tangible way where that was clearly God. And we mark that as a memorial stone. We mark that as a stone of remembrance. And don't just go, oh, thank God I'm through that one and move on because that's what happens too often. And God's saying, no, stop, get some stones and remember this, this is really cool. It's saying to do this so they don't forget. In other words, God wants us to be reminded of the great things he has done. And I know in my life, I am quick to forget too. We're not so different from the Israelites where God did a great thing and he parted the Red Sea. But later on in the desert, they're complaining because they're going, yeah, but that was, you know, five years ago. (laughs) What did God do for me lately? It's like he parted the Red Sea. He delivered you from Egypt. Yeah, but we like the spices back there better. And we forget so quickly the deliverance of God and the provision and the protection of God. It happens so quickly. I really believe we do the same thing. Uh, If you're a note taker this morning, the first point is to recall the times of God's Protection, provision, or presence in your life. To really recall the times of God's protection, provision, and presence in your life. When you and I are willing to recall those things, that's where we begin to stand on our victories. If you and I are not willing to stand on our victories, what some people tend to do is they go through life's experience and they stand on their defeats. All they're holding on to is a defeat. They're holding on to the defeat. A long time back, many years ago or months ago or years ago, this thing happened to me. It was a defeat in my life. And that's the stone of remembrance I'm holding on to. And they're waving that flag in their life. And they're living by that flag. It's at the flag of defeat. I just want to say that if any of you are doing that, I, I'm, I would like to suggest to you God says, behold, I make all things new. He wants you to put down flags of defeat. He wants you to hold on to stones of remembrance. Our God's a God of victory, and we may lose some battles along the way. But as believers, we have the ultimate victory. I mean, you guys know that? There may be a couple battles we lose along the way, okay? We got wobbly or we got, took some shrapnel or whatever the thing is, or collateral damage. We may lose a couple of battles along the way, but we have the ultimate victory. That's the reality. If you read the book, that's how the story ends. We're the people on the side of victory. We win. We're on the winning side. But if you're holding on to a defeat and you're treasuring that as your stone of remembrance and you're flying that flag then there is no victory for you. And in fact, the devil is quite content with anybody in that condition. And God is saying, no, I make all things new. Would you remember these things? Would you remember my promise, my provision? Would you remember my presence when I showed up and I did those things? Would you, re- would you hold on to those things? So it's important for God's people to recall those. And the reason we do this is because God wants us to tell others about that about these great things the devil wants us to be silent regarding the great things that God has done. But God wants us to prophesy and to proclaim. You know what the Bible says? At the end, Revelation, when it all wraps up, the whole book wraps up, and it summarizes how the people of God were victorious. How we won the battle. You know what it says? This is how we overcome the devil. Two simple, simple, simple things. We overcame him by the blood of the lamb. What Jesus did on the cross was the conquering factor of the universe. It changed every dimension forever and it made heaven available, relationship with God available. It allowed God's spirit to live inside people through the blood of Jesus. We overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb. There's nothing he can do about that. He was defeated from that. end. we overcame by the blood of the lamb and number two, the word of our testimony. The Bible is saying the blood of the lamb was the most historic, profound uh, you know exhibition of God's love and, and atoning sacrifice that ever could have been done. The most powerful event in the universe of the history of creation was the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's how we overcame the devil, and, along with it, the word of our testimony. But who puts the word of our testimony, even remotely? on the same wavelength as the blood of the lamb. Not many people do. In fact, not many people are very good with even sharing testimony. The devil does not want you to share testimony. But God's saying, when I give you victory, build stones of remembrance, treasure these things as living stones. They need to live on. They're supposed to live on. And that's why testimony is so powerful. It goes on to say, these are gonna be a sign for future generations. God's saying, don't let the victories end. Share them. Let them live on. Uh, Victory, these things are supposed to live on. It it goes on in, in verse 21, and he said to the Israelites, in the future when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until all had crossed. So let's lock these things in our memory when God does something profound, Put them on instant recall. And the second point is to tell your story and keep telling your story. Tell your story and keep telling your story. Guys, please take one thing home today. Treasure the victories. Put them on instant recall. And tell your story. God will give you more and more opportunities to tell your story. It's what the devil doesn't want you to do. To do, It's where the Holy Spirit is willing to empower you to do. There is so much victory on that. In fact, on that note, I have a couple of brothers from the church, men of God who I honor and respect, are going to share some stories about their stones of remembrance, different stones of remembrance, where they're, they're going to share some snapshots of their lives where God had done some things... And it's noteworthy to remember God's power, His provision, his, pre- pre- his His presence in some tangible kind of way, where they're getting to share with you today a stone of remembrance. We're going to start with Will. Will, would you come up, please? This is Will Chan. Will is a is an awesome man of God and a friend, and uh, he's going to share his little story. You want this on or off? Can leave it on. Okay. And so, uh, but stones of remembrance, and and the beauty is, you know, in Scripture. They went down into the river, the men from each tribe. And this is a tribe of Metro, but, you know, we're a a diverse tribe. But I love the fact that we all have different stories, and many of you in this room have different stories, and you could get up and share, if time permitted, to say, this is what God did in my life. But I am hoping that we start to create a culture around here of testifying of God's grace.
1: Amen? Amen. Amen. Welcome, Will. Thanks, Brian. Um, When Brian... um, called me yesterday, asking me to share with everybody today. You know, I was asking God, you know, what should I say? What is it that you want me to say? And God reminded me, it was 10 years ago yesterday that I was baptized, uh, March 2nd, 2003. And, thank you. And the church that I was at when I was baptized, we have this tradition there that um, on the day that you're baptized, you get in front of the whole congregation and give your testimony. So it was 10 years ago yesterday that I first gave my testimony and told my story. And God, and whenever I think of that day, that day serves kind of, kind of like as a beacon for me, a light beacon shining down on all these different milestones that God has set in my life. And the one milestone, the one um, <clears throat> altar stone that God. What uh, reminded me about yesterday was something that happened 11 years ago. It was part of the journey of me getting baptized, me becoming a child of Christ. You know, before I became a Christian, I was, I was very much a heathen. Um, I did a lot of different things. Uh, one of the things that I did was I smoked crack. And <clears throat> it got to the point where my whole life... I mean, I was a functional drug addict. I was able to hold down a very good job. I was able to graduate from um, college, I was able to go to grad school and have a good job. Um, but you know, whenever I had problems, whenever I had troubles in my life, I always turned to drugs, and turned to crack. And <clears throat> it came to, at that 11 years ago, um, This one thing happened in my life that just rocked my world. It was um, my ex-fiancé at that time committed suicide. And, of course, the thing that I turned to was crack. I turned to drugs. Um, a, few, a little while after she committed suicide, I remember I, <clears throat> I called up my friend. It was my, you know, my partner in crime, the guy that I did all sorts of bad things with. I told him, you know, I'm coming over. I'm bringing a whole bunch of crack that's just smoked tonight. And that night, I actually had smoked too much crack. I remember just sitting on his couch, you know, lighting the pipe and then I remember closing my eyes and just drifting back and then at that moment I had one of those um, Jesus moments I, and it sounds like one of those typical st- uh, movie stories where I closed my eyes and I just saw this light. I saw this light all around me and, <clears throat> and I saw Jesus and At that time, I wasn't suicidal or anything, but I just did not care about anything. And I remember Jesus asking me, Will, Will, what are you doing? And I told him, I go, you know what, I just don't care about anything anymore. I don't want to be here. I don't care about anything anymore. And I remember Jesus just telling me, you know, it's not your time yet. It is not your time. And then after that, I just remember my friend calling me going, Will, Will, wake up, wake up. And I woke up. And um, I ho- I'm, hope none of you know, but um, when you, after you smoke crack, you come through this recovery period that's very bad. Uh, it's called a crash. And I actually I didn't even have a crash. I just woke up and I was completely sober. And from that point on, um, God was very gracious to me. He took my <clears throat> desire for drugs completely away after that moment. Um, after that moment, I had no desire to do any drugs. It's even to the point where I can't take painkillers when I go through surgery. Like last year, I had a deviated septum surgery, and I can't, I can't take any painkillers because you know, painkillers like morphine, coldine, those are derivatives of uh, substance that's similar to coke, cocaine. So I have no desire for that whatsoever. So um, <clears throat> every time I go through troubles, every time I go through trials, God reminds me of that moment all the time and reminds me of how good he was to me. So, thanks. Thanks, Will,
0: because that's uh, vulnerable. But again, that's a victory, and that victory needs to live on. Thank you for allowing it to live on. And I had no idea it was 10 years to the day. But that's the spirit of God right there. There's the beauty, beauty in what God's doing. And Scott, come on up here. Rocco, can we give Scott a round of applause? He's been doing, again, 24-7, handling things to serve you. The greatest of all is a servant of all. And thank you so much, Scott. But I respect you.
2: Love you, man. Yeah, uh, same thing as Will. When uh, Brian was talking to me yesterday about this, it was... One of those things where it was all night, I was praying. I'm like, Lord, what do you want to share? And uh, you know, I, I think about it because it's one of those things where I'm like thinking, I'm, you know, cause I'm like going back through Joshua and I'm looking at those rocks. I'm like thinking, Lord, what is it in my life that, that really lends itself to those rocks? Because I, I tend to put more on others than myself. So it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, where are those victories in my personal life that I could really cement? And, uh, you know, like Will, before... I was raised Catholic, Irish Catholic, and Irish priests. My dad, every year at the carnival, ran the beer booth. And the Sunday of the last day, we'd go in the parish hall when I was in high school and we'd sit down with the priests and we'd drink what was left in the keg. And so I, I was raised in a church where alcohol was actually quite common, you know. And you know, my dad was an alcoholic. He'd go to the bar every day and come home and we'd scatter like roaches with the light being turned on when he came home. And uh, like Will, my life uh, through high school and, and and college, I was I actually dropped out of high school, and I was doing, you know, the whole plethora of things, drug wise, and uh, and I just with the Catholic Church, I didn't really think that was it because I believed in God, so that was enough, you know, and uh, and as I got to know God and started to understand who he was there was just this change that took hold of my life and it's interesting because 10 years ago yesterday was the anniversary of his baptism God has been so gracious to me that next month is the 20-year anniversary of when I was ordained so it was just this what God has done in my life I was thinking about it and it's. For me it would be a rock. You know, Revelations it talks about how God has stones with our names on it, that He and He alone knows it. And for me it's like the rock that I share with my children more than any is the faithfulness of God. You know, it's not just one thing, but it's a it's a string of things. From when I was a young Christian at a Bible study. Well actually when I was in the seventh grade and we'd go to mass first Friday, and then on Thursday we'd have to go to confession. I was in the seventh grade, and I was just sitting in the pew, kind of about where you were, Tom, if I was in the Catholic Church. And I just remember God just gently telling me that I didn't have to go to confession to a priest, but I can just be having a personal conversation with him and sharing my sins and my struggles with him because he cares about me. So it was like from the seventh grade, there's just these little things that God is doing in my life, even though I didn't really connect with them. And it's just all throughout it. It's just I share with my kids just how faithful God is, that He is there, whether it's personally. And, and I remember as a young Christian being in a, in a singles group, we were just worshiping, and I just had my eyes closed, and I just—I oh, always love the story of Moses. When he says, Lord, show me your face. And he says, you have to hide in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by. I've always loved that. So I was like, God, I want to see you. And all of a sudden it was just like, you know how when when a a light bulb, you turn the light switch on and it flashes. And it was just like all of a sudden it was just that light and it just threw me back. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, Lord, I want to see more. And he goes, you wouldn't be able to handle it. And I was just like, but it was just all these little things throughout my life, whether it's financially or relationally, whatever it is with God, that has shown me that he is there and he cares. And I, I tell my children that all the time, that that's the one stone that I always put before them, that God is faithful. He is never changing the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. So that's I know
0: where i oh, end up.
2: Good
0: stuff, good stuff. And do share these, parents, if you have children. That's the point. Share with your children. Some parents never poured into us the stories of God's faithfulness, and by God's grace, He's calling us out. But it's so important that we pour into the next generation in a big way. Uh, Mike Smith, you want to come up and um, Mike? Mike is a. is is a great friend and a a man of God and a coach and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, But he's good to co-counsel with, too, because someone's got to be bad cop, you know what I mean? And he doesn't mind taking on that role. But anyway, get him, cowboy.
3: Good morning, everybody. Um, Wow. Uh, It's funny, before even Brian talked to me about this, I so was looking at my television set, and I got, God has blessed me with a nice little plasma TV, you know, this guy thing. And uh, when you turn the TV off, if any of you have kids, what do you see on the screen? Fingerprints. But the funny thing is, God's fingerprints are on our lives everywhere. Sometimes we've got to turn us off to see them. And, uh, my life has been crazy, but good. God has had his hand on my life since I was a child. Been homeless, been a whole bunch of things. That's another story one day. But, uh, 15 years ago next month, my brother and I started a business. And, uh, it was probably the most improbable business that should ever have been started. Um. My brother had worked for a sign shop in town of Fast Signs, and there was a guy named Steve there, and he kept going, you know, you guys, I know you can do this digital printing thing. You can do it. You can do it. And you're like, yeah, whatever, Steve. That's good. So finally, we got a client, a job, an irresistible job. Okay, we can do this job. And uh, so we got a client. We got a job. We just didn't have a printer. We are going to chisel it. Um, So time had gone by and we were like, okay, we're going to finance this printer. We're going to do this. We're going to put our name on the line. And HP was like, yeah, we're going to finance everybody except y'all. You can't have nothing. Um, So it was about two weeks before the job was due. And my brother called me. It was 7 in the morning. said, we're going to lose, we're, what are we doing? We, we don't even have a printer. We can't do this job. It's impossible. And God just put a calm on me. And I was just like, ask Steve to co-sign for us. Ask, ask your client to co-sign for you. Okay. Put that all together. They don't even belong in the same box. Okay. All right. And he was, my brother was like, What do you say? He's not going to do. I was like, just ask him. And I was laying in the bed and I was praying and I wasn't even really going to church then, but I was praying. So my brother calls me back 15 minutes later. Wait for it. He said he would. (laughs) Okay, now. There's a miracle right there as it stands. Okay, so Steve signs his life away on the dotted line for us. HP says, okay, you got a printer. It's going to take us two weeks to get it for you. (laughs) The job's due in two weeks. Now, in the meantime, I had gotten into an accident, and I had crashed my beloved Mercedes why I had one, I didn't have no business, I couldn't afford no Mercedes. <laughs> so, But this lady had turned out on White Oak and uh, White Oak and uh, Burbank, crashed into my car, totaled it. So I was, you know, it was her fault, of course. And, uh, <laughs> and I went to the rental car and I was like, I got a Mercedes, you better give me a Mercedes, you're going to give me whatever I want, and they were like, no you're not, that's all you get right there. I was like, I don't want that. They're like, listen, man, that's what you're going to (laughs) take. So I took it. Now, HP had called and said, you can have that printer, but we can't ship it to you for two weeks. I said, well, where's the printer? San Francisco. All right, I'll come get it. (laughs) So I drove up there all in one day got the printer, it was raining, it fit into this blazer with a half inch to spare, and I drove it back that same night and I got home at one o'clock, it would cry. And God's fingerprints were just all over the place, all over the place. So, you guys, think about turning off the TV so you can see. Where his fingerprints are on your life. Because he's amazing. And if he can take somebody like me as broken and as backwards as I am and bring glory to himself, just think about what he can do with you. So I
0: God's provision. God's protection, God's presence. got to keep sharing it. Amen. And Sergio, would you come up here? I know you've got a story to share as well. Sergio has uh, been ministering to people for a while. God willing, we're going to be doing a church plant in Metro, Mexico with this man Shepherd in in years to come, so uh, thank you for, for sharing.
4: Well, good morning. Um, It's funny that Pastor mentioned that because that's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about. My journey began in uh, 2000. Um, In 2000, my mother-in-law's prayers were answered by us coming to the Lord, both me and my beautiful wife, and um, we accepted the Lord, but we had been going to a small church that really didn't have anything to offer us but a Sunday morning service, and so we weren't growing. We were actually growing cold. And uh, after three years of playing church, I kind of had reached my limit. We were back to square one in our relationship. We had a blended family, so that made things even a little bit more hectic. And somebody asked me to attend their Calvary Chapel church. So I went to this Calvary Chapel, and the the Word was being taught, and to me, I loved the Word because of that, because in six months, the Lord started to change me. I stopped drinking, stopped cursing, stopped smoking, and by July uh, uh, 2003, I had a desire to start serving the Lord. In 2001, uh, I had already been working for the police department for 13 years. I was a custody officer for LAPD. And in 2001, if you guys remember, the uh, towers came down. And I had done custody for enough time that I desired to not only go out on do police work, but actually join the anti-terrorist group down at LAX airport. So I started training started getting myself prepared and uh, doing what I needed to do to make that transition in 2001. And that August, the pastor who I was under came up to me and said, you have a calling to be a pastor. I'd like you to start studying for the ministry. And I said, no, that's not what my plans are. My plans are, if I can learn to play the bass, I want to be on the worship team, And then go out and do anti-terrorism the rest of my time. That's not in in the equation. He says, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have a calling on your life, and I'll let God deal with you. So I kept trying to convince myself that that wasn't the case. But yet people who were partners at work, my my, uh, father-in-law, who is not a believer, random people were coming up to me telling me over and over, you're going to be a pastor. And I kept telling them, no, I am not. I've always worked graveyard shift, working custody, because it was action-packed. Get the uh, guys off the streets. It was made the night go by quick. When I got home in the mornings, lay my head right there on the pillow and fall asleep. Everybody was at either at work or at school, had the house all to myself, got the rest that I needed. So I always loved working graveyard, and I didn't have a problem going to sleep once I got home. I was a hard charger. One particular morning, as I'm struggling with making that decision, I had just gotten a call from my background investigator of LAX letting me know that I had passed everything, my physical agilities, everything was done. All I needed to do now was wait for a class to get certified for that specialized training. I was ready to go. And I remember one morning I came home and I couldn't sleep. And the Lord kept waking me up every hour on the hour. Just waking me up. And I tried to go back to sleep and again, when that hour hit, he'd wake me up again. It got to the point where I was so broken that I got on my knees and I said, what do you want, Lord? And I knew what he wanted. He wanted me to accept the calling that he had on my life. So I said, if this is what you want me to do, I want it what I've wanted all my life, but if that's not what you want, I will follow you. And I will let that go, and I will do whatever it takes to fulfill that calling that you have in my life. Since that day forward, nobody ever told me again, you're going to be a pastor as they did before. He keeps reminding me every so often, but not as it was before. And I look at this as a stone because I plan to plant a church in Mexico in 2016. And it reminds me of what Jesus said. And he says, on this rock, speaking of himself, I will plant my church. And that is what I'm going with. That is the milestone that I leave back in 2003 that is still carrying me on today and will carry me on until I see my Lord when he brings me home. Thank you.
0: Again, God's provision, God's protection, God's presence, all of these beautiful, diverse ways that God gives breakthrough that God gets us over a river, that God gets us beyond a barrier into the promise and the future we have. Church, we gotta recall those things. We gotta hold on to them. These are stones of remembrance, these are markers. Don't forget about them. And then we gotta testify of God's greatness. We gotta testify of his power, of his provision, of his presence. The devil doesn't want you to, but we overcome. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I want you to repeat that. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. One more time, please. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The devil knows that, but I don't think believers do. And I want to encourage you to continue to testify more and more. Uh, This last scripture I just want to share as the worship team comes up. And it says this in Deuteronomy 6.12. We have it for the projector up here. And this is why we have to keep testifying, church. Beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. We tend to have short memories. We tend to forget what God did. If he hasn't done it recently, we tend, like Israel, to forget about it. And the last point is this, is to never lose that sense of amazement regarding the things that God has done in your life you know the first time you come to Christ you accept him you're like wow this is like you're in love with God all of a sudden there's a new revelation it's cool your heart is like boom 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 what's going on God and over time we just get a little sedated and maybe muted in that relationship And yet we can meet God regularly. We can commune with him regularly. We can know him personally. We can sit at his feet. We can be filled with the spirit if we choose to press in and be in God's presence. And yet Jesus says that if we don't come like a child, we don't even get the kingdom of God. And that's because a child is willing to come with open arms and amazement and abandonment and recognize the beauty and the goodness of God. But as adults, we start intellectualizing and we start coming up with our formulas and our methods. And before you know it, we totally disconnect with the beauty of God's astonishment. So I'm gonna close in prayer right now. The last thing I want us to remind you is don't forget that God is telling you, like he told Moses, God is saying, I am the great I am. I am the great I am. It's the first time that God Almighty revealed his own name. Do you know that? All through the chronology of the Bible, when you look at the history of humanity and God, the names of God began began to be slowly disclosed. Adonai, Elohim, the names of God, the Mighty One, the Lord, all these names. But Moses is finally, God, who are you? What is your name, God? You're just the Lord God? I, I know that. But who are you personally, God? Because if I'm going to go back and tell these people and lead them, I need, to, I need to know and I need them to know who you are. And God says, you want to know? I'm going to tell you for the first time. I am Yahweh. I am. I am who I am. And God is saying that because some of us forget that God is I am we think that maybe he was he created and maybe he will come back and judge but we forget that he is the great I am and when you know that he is the great I am and when you know that he'll never leave or forsake you and you know that he'll go with you always on your journey you can step up and testify more boldly and more boldly and more boldly because people need to hear the stories that God put in your life. Again, we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, amen. Let's close on that note and ask God to seal some things in our heart. Mighty God, we love you and we praise you for your word. Uh, God, we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, do some radical things in our life. I pray for everyone in this room, Lord, that you would stir in our heart, Lord God, the, the areas in our life, Lord God, of the great things that you have done, looking back from childhood up until recently, Lord, there were clear victories where you showed up, where things could not have happened any other way but by your grace. And I pray that we would write them down, that we would document, that we would recall your goodness, God. We'd put it on instant recall, Lord God. We would make stones of remembrance, whether we build something physically or we just treasure in our heart, God, these stones Lord God and you said Lord do something with them testify tell your children tell others the greatness and the things that I've done tell them how I've stopped rivers tell them how I've gave you access to cross over tell them what I've done in your life in every way shape or form of my power my love my provision show them what I did Show them how I took away hearts of stone and gave you a heart of flesh. Show you how I just took everything away from your past and gave you a new beginning. All these things that I've done for you. Show them how when you couldn't pay your rent and and, and I showed up for you there. When you didn't know where you were going to go and I showed you a direction. When you didn't know who I am personally and I revealed myself to you. These things, let them live on. God wants us to testify, church, and I just pray that the Spirit of God will give us a holy boldness, that we would step out in ways we never have. Mighty God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're doing in our life, and I just pray you do some radical new things in this new season to come. We thank you for all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit
3: valleymetrochurch.com.